uh, clearing the floods. It's just a phrase, but it reminds us, it, I hope it reminds you that uh, we're not trying to create um, a dam or constriction. There is a flow, there is a stream. Uh, with potency, with our potentials, potencies, abilities to engage, respond, sense, feel. Mm. But um, not be congested, overwhelmed, stagnant, frozen solid, <laughs> raging and churning. <laughs> meandering and <laughs> going into swamps and bogs <laughs> nicely flowing along mm. Yeah. Mm. and sometimes a poignant phrase that sometimes is used with uh, the book of Ajahn Chah stillness flowing <laughs> stillness flowing there's no internal turbulence <laughs> it flows in accordance with conditions is in accord with conditions it doesn't uh, snag it doesn't leap uh, it doesn't get clogged uh, so this we might say is a nice ideal model sometimes these images have their have their value you know it's kind of consider reflect get a feeling for that yeah. So the stream is open, you know, there's an open face to it, but at the same time it's, uh, it's not flooded or congested with all kinds of debris landing in it, you know, what I was calling open energy. Mm. Now we may have heard of and in fact, uh, you know, if you're Keen, open-minded, open-hearted, open-minded, open-hearted. These are nice, ideal, uh, liberal <laughs> statements. <laughs> uh, but uh, unfortunately, unless it's carried through to open-bodied, we get it in some difficulties. Open-minded often means can't really decide or say well no I'm open to that but I'm not taking it on I can hear it I recognize it's happening but I'm not you know I'm not entertaining it I'm not adopting it yeah. so there's a certain decisive form of mind most people probably don't realize mind has a form subtle form and yet we talk about narrow-minded open-minded broad-minded high-minded <laughs> there's a form there it's not a form you can see with your eyes obviously it's a subtle form it means the mind is not constricted uh, tense as an energy 
It's not an it's not a theory. It's an energy. An energy. And uh, as an energy, it has a certain firmness to not be shut down, pinched, tight, but also not to be dissipated. And uh, so direct practice of open mind requires open energy. Open hearted, another wonderful aspiration. If that doesn't have an open open energy in it, what happens the open hearted person can find themselves being overloaded with other people's duties and concerns. I'm open hearted, but that means everybody's <laughs> taking advantage of me of my goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's kind of expecting me to solve their problems, or you know, because you are the you are the one who listens. Yeah, and is it when is is there the possibility to say, ah, uh, yes, but not right now, or that's enough, or um, I think that's something you need to deal with yourself. Yeah. Where do these uh, boundaries come from? Because we don't have boundaries then openness leads to um, dissipation. It also does not allow, does not respect autonomy. Now autonomy is not a matter of being completely isolated. It's a matter of, of like, uh, it's, not, it's not a brick wall. It's a recognition we have skin uh, permeable, but definitely some skin. And uh, we have an interior that has to be sustained. This interior we call our um, energy body. If that's occluded, fractured, clogged up, no matter how many theoretically open-minded or open-hearted you like to be, you, you're really uh, just being um, stupidly receptive. So stupid receptivity is a kind of uh, passive, you know, okay. Uh, then there's obviously the opposite of it is no receptivity, shove off, not listening. <laughs> and the idea of open energy is it, it means that there's the open willingness to uh, listen, but not to adopt willingness to sympathize but not necessarily to interfere or take on. Do you know what I mean? So as we know acceptance is, is one of these helpful phrases to be self-accepting, to be accepting. Uh, mistake rather than intolerant which doesn't sound very nice but uh, the mistake is we think accepting means you adopt it. Accepting means you're, you're aware of the presence of feeling, perceptions, impressions. Mm -hmm. So you, they arise, you accept the fact that there's anger, you accept the fact that there's resentment, you accept the jealousy or whatever it is, you accept the grief. But at the same time, you don't energetically, you don't allow yourself to get captured by it 
or the energy does not get captured by it. There's that place of stable acknowledgement. So open energy requires this sense of uh, the quiet power of uh, embodiment, of acknowledgement, uh, which is not doing anything other than just acknowledging. It's not agreeing or disagreeing, just acknowledging. And this acts uh, in its own quiet wax as a filter, because if you don't find yourself adopting or rejecting things, stuff tends to move, shift on its own accord, in its own way. If you resist things, push them away, they tend to come bouncing back. Accept them, take them in, adopt them, you know, you know they move through. They just keep re-establishing themselves. Um, now a sense of op- open energy, open mind, open heart, backed up by open body is, is unusual. Uh, it has to be cultivated. Yeah. So for most people, uh, there is the experience of being somewhat open and somewhat closed. (laughs) Because there wasn't the energy to support openness. So sometimes we just close down against things, yeah. Uh, sometimes we're sort of half open, cautious, uh, maybe. Now to put some flesh on that, we've talked about what well, I've talked about arising within the world of consciousness, the six consciousnesses, the visual consciousness in front of me, the auditory consciousness that creates a world around me, the uh, um, state and olfactory consciousness which thrusts things into me, you know, so I'm kind of invaded by, uh, uh, the taste consciousness which explodes within me, and more than invaded by it, really possesses me. The tactile consciousness which binds around me, defines my form, defines my form. I am within this sense of prickly, cool, tingling pressures. That's where I am in this. I'm wrapped in it. And mind consciousness whereby I am swirling in all these data. I am the swirl of all these data. These are the six consciousnesses. Sometimes the data is fine, sometimes it's not fine, but we're in there. Okay, so that's a, but then also you realize that's the sense consciousness. Now in the heart, heart domain, we have other um, matrices, uh, the future, the past other people and myself. We arise with a sense 
there will be, there should be, I've got to, it could be what will looking forward with eagerness, uncertainty, or dread even, and various colorings of that. And then the data tum tumbling in, the times, the places, the venues, the uh, deadlines come tumbling in to that particular box or that particular vision arises with these phenomena in it. The past, you know, that which has brought me here, that which has taken me to this point, that's the experience. I am the result of the past. I am formed by the past. And I'm heading for the future. The past has, of course, the memories, pleasant, unpleasant, um, the habits, the formative tendencies that have inherited me, that have been my, that have been the inheritance I call me, the past. It's a powerful force. We all have that. When you open up that sense of what has brought me here, what's behind me, if you like, and what am I riding on? Then the data come in, good or bad. Other people, there's a sense of, you know, there's the parents, the partner, the friends, the brothers, the sisters, the boss, the employers, the co-workers, the, the you, know, you know, and the people who represent the good, the kind, the problematic, the unwanted, the saddened, you know, and all this kind of, I arise within that with my concerns, my fears, my gratitude, my um, unpleasant resentments or bad memories. That then becomes part of my flood and me. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that carries. Yeah. There's somebody here. Who, who is she? Who is he? Oh, not bad, okay, got this, I'm that, uh, try to be this, I'm not quite that, uh, mm, wish I was this, I probably won't be that, uh, you know, not feeling so good, I'm a sickly person, I'm a arrogant person, I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a person. And then all the data come in on that. And these four are so, um, such predominant references for the heart to find its orientation. Who am I? Where am I going? What was I? Who do I want to be with? Who am I with? The reality of that is never really uh, checked. Um, and the data in it is never really checked. Yeah. And it's sensed. Would it be possible for there to be an awareness which is open to any of those but is not loaded already? Would it be possible to, to have an awareness where there's nobody sitting inside you complaining about you? Or pushing you, or, or or tugging your sleeve, 
would it be possible to recognize there is the present arising, the future will arrive, without having a prediction or a push towards it? Would it be possible to say, yes, I was born, there was a past, without it haunting or acting as a shadow behind you? Hmm. Or looking back, oh, if only I was that again. And uh, the enlightened ones say, yes, there is. They do not lament over the past, they do not hanker for the future. They live independent arising, therefore they are radiant. Sangyutinikaya, first book, Sutta 10, I believe. They don't, they don't hanker for the future, they don't regret the past, they live in the present arising, therefore they are radiant. Can we say we do, there is no past? Can we say there is no future? Mm. Not really, but we can say there's no hankering, there's no dread, there's no regret, there's no wanting to turn back. Can we say there's no other people? Not exactly, but I'm open to the manifestations that arise. I'm not expecting you to be something. I'm not obliging you to be something. Could that be possible? Could it be possible that there's certainly an awareness and a presence here, but it's not needing to carry a particular shape or identity or entity or even damage. You know, I don't want to keep cuddling my damage <laughs> and bringing it forward as a personal statement of the wrongs that have been done to me. So yes, this is not only possible but eminently desirable <laughs> because all these are all these data, uh, metadata are carried in the in the stream of the heart, the stream of the heart is actually the stream of awareness. But itself is open. Otherwise, these things would not have a place to land, would they? If there's no space in your head, in your brain, in your mind, there'll be no room for thoughts. So clearly, no matter how congested your heart or mind can get. It can't be that solid, otherwise there'd be no room for another one. And yet there's always room for another thought or feeling. <laughs> right? <laughs> you always pack a bit more in somewhere. So it's it's actually it's infinitely spacious. Otherwise there'd be no movement from one thought to the next. There'd be no, no, no way in which phenomena would pass. Why are we so encouraged to acknowledge, to find that place where we can maintain presence and allow things to arise and pass? Because this is like a reminder on a subliminal level, on an emotional level, of 
openness. Things can pass and the openness remains the same. You know, psychologically, we don't want certain things to arise. Passing may sound like a good idea for some things. Yeah, I quite like that one to pass. <laughs> that painful memory or that nasty piece of behaviour. But uh, it doesn't pass unless you allow it to arise. <laughs> so, um, and... Uh, As you cultivate this practice of what you want to call it, insight, mindfulness, meditation, you know, contemplating mind, shapes, states, forms of mind, restricted mind, the open mind, the agitated mind, the stirred mind, plus all the data as impermanent, changing, unsatisfactory, not self, you've heard the phrases. And the encouragement, what is it that is aware of these phenomena, their, their changeability? I'd like to make that sense of awareness, not just theoretically aware or psychologically nonchalant, like, oh well, passes, but something that has got a, this embodied quality to it. So why is that? Because then... There's a the strengthening that means that you're not picking up more of what you don't need. The awareness of change itself doesn't necessarily mean that you won't pick up some more stuff that you don't need. It doesn't train you to filter. It trains you to look back retrospective and say oh yeah well, that's gone that's gone that's gone does it train you to enter the future hmm. does the awareness change prepare you for tomorrow or you're already saying it's gone already the awareness of change in that sense is always a looking back that's that's gone that's gone that's gone but does it lead to a certain impotence? Since it's past, why bother pick it up? Since it's going to change, why bother? Um, you know, hurry up, for the, let's get to the funeral as quick as possible, then it'll all have gone. <laughs> what kind of life is that? So I'm not supporting impotence or indifference. But at the same time, not just the heedless plunging into the future or into any of these positions, but this is what open energy is about. Because as I'm saying, that stability by itself, you can see but you're not picking it up unless you choose to. It's a deliberate voluntary. You can hear, but you're not engaging with that unless it seems appropriate. And 
there's a choice, there's autonomy. You're receptive, but you're not invaded. And same with thoughts. You can think, have a thought, or not. Which is, of course, the master game. <laughs>